Hi everyone, my name's Selena. Welcome to my podcast, Marked as Red. Today I'm going to be doing part one of probably two parts of uh, my review on A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Now I'm splitting this into two parts for a couple reasons. One being the book is 816 pages. That's a lot. That is quite a bit of content to in-depth review and not only is it 816 pages, it's 816 very dense, very heavy pages. And I want to do it justice. I also want to do it justice because this is kind of a controversial book in that Hanya Yanagihara does not shy away from difficult or upsetting topics. And there's quite a bit of debate if she did that in the best way possible or not. And that is something that I would like to definitely get into in the second part. So, I have read, let's see here, I've read exactly 320 pages in. So, I have read the first three parts of the book. And the reason that I picked there as a stopping place is because while the book has certainly been emotional up until that point, I know for a fact that after page 320... And I know this because before reading this book, I watched a couple um, YouTube videos by people who do something kind of similar to what I do where they review and talk about books that they've read, except they do it on YouTube through a YouTube format. Um, and so these two YouTubers, um, one of them, her channel is called Paperback Dreams and the other one... Um, I'm completely blanking on it right now, but if you find Paperback Dreams, you'll probably be able to find her as well. They did um, reading vlogs of their time reading A Little Life, and uh, <laughs> they're certainly braver than I am because they put themselves crying on the internet, and uh, from what I've seen... Nobody comes out of this book without it upsetting them. And I'm a little scared, not going to lie to you, um, of what this next half of the book will bring to me. Uh, a little more than half, but you, you know what I mean. I'm roughly halfway through. And that being said... Part of the reason why this book is so controversial is a lot of the topics that are written about are, they're topics that can be triggering for some people, so I just want to put that out there. I have not finished reading the book, so I don't really feel comfortable going and um, listing like the trigger warnings and the content warnings for this book because I actually haven't finished reading it, and also I I'm not 100% sure, nor am I really qualified to decide what constitutes what should be a trigger warning or not. However, this is a fairly popular book and a lot of other people have read it. So the 
the trigger warnings and the content warnings for this book are not difficult to find. So if you are thinking of reading this, I would recommend looking into that um, if you think that could be something that would be a problem for you. Um, so I, I'm not going to go into any sort of, you know, graphic detail, um, because I would defeat the purpose of reading the book. And also from what I've read so far, the book itself doesn't go into graphic detail and what makes it more emotional, um, and a little bit harder to read is the amount of just emotional detail that the author goes into um, about what these characters are going through rather than going into, you know, um, sort of like a play-by-play graphic detail. So those disclaimers out of the way, A Little Life is the story of four men who met in college, became very close friends. Um, Their names are Willem, Jude, JB, and Malcolm. So A Little Life, rather than being a plot-driven story, which is normally what I would read and normally what I would enjoy, it is a character study. It's a character-driven novel. And I was seriously anticipating that being boring beyond belief. And I was skeptical that I could read over 800 pages of a character study because that is, again, not normally the kind of novel that I read. I like fast-paced novels. I like horror and thriller novels. So I was pleasantly surprised so far with how this went. I will say the first like 100 pages or so are kind of slow, but it does pick up after that. Or maybe it doesn't necessarily pick up in pace, but that is the amount of time it takes for at least me personally to become invested in the characters. And so the fact that the story is a character study actually starts to work. And once you're invested in these characters, <laughs> I just like fair warning, you get very invested because Hanya Yanagihara does not pull any punches and she makes it a point to show you every private aspect of each of the characters' lives. So when this novel begins, chronologically, it is after they've graduated from college, but as we're learning more about the characters and their backstories, there will be sort of flashbacks to their time in college. And speaking as a college student, it's unnerving because the story kind of goes okay, here's, you know, this kind of ragtag group of friends in college and they have sort of this like cliche, almost romanticized like college friendship. Like they're young, they're having fun and well, to an extent they're having fun. Each of them are kind of struggling with their own personal issues. And now the story is taking place after college. They're struggling to find jobs. They're struggling to find what they love to do. It's unnerving to read that as a college student. Uh, (laughs) So Jude is, uh, I would say he is as close to a main character as this book um, can get. And 
in the first uh, 300-something pages that I've read, it does focus on all of the characters in the beginning, and then it starts to really heavily focus on Jude. And we begin to realize that there is a reason for that. And it's because while more than one of the characters had a very difficult childhood and a very difficult past, if you could really compare those kinds of things, Jude had it the worst. He just had every bad thing that you could imagine could happen to a child and a young adult happen to him. And I have a feeling I don't even know all there is to know about him yet. And I'm honestly scared for what else I'm going to find out. He is very secretive about his past. He feels a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and he sort of refuses to share this with his friends. So our whole perspective of Jude comes from his own inner monologue. Whereas the other characters, uh, for example, Willem, he is probably the closest to Jude from, from what I've seen so far. He's the one who has the most insight into Jude's problems, who Jude appears to trust the most, but even he doesn't have the full picture of what Jude's childhood was. He has his own, um, you know, issues with, with his parents and his siblings. He at one point left college to care for his very sick brother. He does end up doing well for himself. He becomes an actor. He's performing in various films and plays in New York City. And I think for me, the most jarring part of Willem's character is from the outside and from the way that the other characters talk about Willem. He seems to sort of have this picture-perfect life. I mean, he's, uh, from the other's descriptions, an attractive young man who's had no trouble getting into relationships, getting attention in that way, who is a successful, I guess, as successful as you can be in a field that competitive, a successful actor in New York City. From the outside, the other characters, even though they're friends with him, really do envy him. The more we hear Willem's own personal narrative, what Willem thinks of himself and what Willem remembers about his own childhood, it is shocking some of the things that he had to go through. And while it's not quite as intense as what Jude went through, it certainly made me second guess what I think I know about the people around me and how I might perceive their lives as being, you know, the the perfect life or they've got it all together. What Willem does, similar to what Jude does, is he does not let his friends know about what he has been through and how it might still affect him. Willem is also a character who I found is written in such a way that you immediately feel a great deal of sympathy towards him, even though he is doing well for himself um, throughout a good amount of the story. And he, his childhood is 
largely a gray area. Um, while he wasn't abused, he wasn't subject to any violence like Jude was, and I'll get into that later, he experienced some very difficult things. And for one, um, so he grew up in, in rural Wyoming, and his parents were immigrants, they didn't have a lot of money, and he just never really had an idea of what it was like to have enough money until he went to college and met some of his other friends who did in fact have enough money and didn't have to worry about that. Now, he was his parents' fourth child. The other children before him had died of leukemia. Um, uh, one of his other siblings had died in his sleep for no apparent reason. So his parents had had dealt with a lot by the time they had they had Willem. And he had an older brother uh, named Hemming who was disabled, he couldn't speak, and while, according to Willem, his, his parents were never, you know, abusive towards Hemming, they were never neglectful towards him, they weren't very affectionate either, they just sort of took care of him, and that was it. So Willem took it upon himself as a child to care for his older brother. And you can really immediately see from the get-go, from how Willem talks to his friends, and even the things that he does that are unspoken, he's a very caring person. And you can tell that he has been deeply affected by his childhood. And he, in one way, shows that by trying to constantly care for his friends, especially Jude. So it is very, very difficult to dislike Willem. And he was one of the characters that I became invested with very quickly because early on, we learn about his childhood and what he's had to deal with. And early on, we can see that he hasn't let that turn him into sort of a hardened individual who refuses to care for others or refuses to feel empathy because of the pain that he's been through. He actually became more sensitive and caring. And I think that uh, that trait in a character makes the character very hard to dislike. So I, I think Hanya Yanagihara knew exactly what she was doing. So not only does Hanya Yanagihara address the issue of, I guess issue might even be too restrictive of a word, but she writes about privilege and different people's concept of privilege at different stages in their life, depending on their own class status. And to be honest, I do think that's part of the reason why this book is so long, um, is that there is so much nuance involved in the issues that Yanagihara writes about. So not only does she write about privilege, she also writes about issues of race and racial identity. And one interesting dynamic um, where that comes up is the dynamic between Malcolm and JB who are two, two of the friends in the group. While we certainly hear a lot about Malcolm and JB, 
and we do get some good insight into their background and their personal lives, even what they may have kept from their other friends. I would say so far, there hasn't been as much detail for them as there has been for Willem, and Jude himself has gotten the most detail about his past. But Malcolm and Jude are still obviously written about in depth because this is a character study. So Malcolm comes from a place of privilege, and he, in a sense, is a bit unaware of what it was like for his friends um, Jude and Willem to grow up without that sort of class privilege. It never becomes, you know, an extremely blunt point of tension. It never becomes, you know, extremely obvious, but it's there. And it's written, it's written very subtly into the text. And in little things like who will pay for the taxi, who will, you know, pay for dinner. And I think this was an excellent choice by Yanagihara because certainly college age, people are aware of what social class that they've grown up in, but they nece- they haven't necessarily had a lot of time to, to make a lot of money for themselves. So I would say in just about every college age friend group, there are pretty heavy questions about privilege and social class, economic class, racial identity. So JB, while he had a comfortable childhood, wasn't as wealthy as Malcolm's family. Malcolm's family is is very wealthy. And uh, at one point, one of the characters, I believe it's Jude, but I'm not entirely sure, mentions um, to himself, you know, in his own inner monologue that Malcolm wouldn't necessarily have to work a day in his life and he can't imagine what that would be like. So Malcolm's family is very wealthy. JB's family is not as wealthy. They're not poor. They've been able to put food on the table. They've, they've had enough and he's also had a very loving upbringing where a lot of his family is living in the same house. Um, They are very supportive of him. He wants to become an artist and they're extremely encouraging. They're always, you know, talking about his talent and telling him to pursue it. So both JB and Malcolm have a different kind of privilege in their childhoods that Willem and Jude didn't have in different ways. And I haven't quite figured out how all this is going to play out. I'm hoping that in the next half of the book that will play out a little bit more in where these characters end up in life because where I'm at right now, they're in their late 30s and there's still a lot of time left. So I'm thinking there's probably like at least another decade of aging in there before the book ends. But one thing that um, I think Yanagihara did a good job on was JB himself, it seems, is trying to figure out what it means to him to be black. And he has very strong feelings, very strong opinions about blackness. And 
his identity as being black. Whereas Malcolm doesn't really think about it in the same way. And that appears to be, and what JB says it is, is a result of Malcolm's um, financially privileged upbringing. So that in and of itself could be a novel, that entire financial racial privilege dynamic going on between JB and Malcolm. Uh, But it's not. It's just one part of it. So those are the kind of issues that Yanagihara just does not shy away from. And really, I I wouldn't say necessarily, you know, she shows all sides of the issue and all opinions about it, but she certainly gives a very nuanced take on these topics through those four characters. But one thing that, that I found interesting is while Malcolm's family is privileged financially, Malcolm is under a tremendous amount of pressure from his parents to do the right thing. And so he's jealous of, of JB because JB just gets this unyielding, unwavering support from his family. And JB and the others are a bit jealous of Malcolm because Malcolm doesn't have to worry about money. And later on in the novel, JB starts having his own struggles um, involving substance abuse. Uh, He's in what seems to me, I don't know if it's a romantic relationship, um, because JB is gay. But I can't tell if this character who he's living with is, in fact, just his friend or romantic partner. It's hard to tell because this is mostly told from JB's perspective, which is very adult because he is struggling with substance abuse. When he's going through all this, uh, in his own inner monologue, talks about how he's jealous of Jude because while he doesn't know um, what exactly Jude has been through, and Jude does that on purpose, he knows that Jude has been through some difficulty, some tragedy in his childhood. And he's jealous of that because he says it makes Jude interesting. It makes his life more interesting. And because he, JB, has never had to deal with that, his life is just more boring. And I had a a visceral reaction to that. I I have never been that angry at a character in a book. It was sort of like, well, how dare you? So that's when I knew that Hani Yanagahara had 100% gotten me hooked and very interested in her characters because I was getting so frustrated with one of them. But then, of course, about 10 pages later, I was so worried for JV because at that point he really is in a bad place and his friends are trying to get to him and help him and he is just trapped in this very difficult situation with somebody who is very toxic for him and very much, you know, enabling his substance abuse. And that, I think, is part of what makes this such an emotional book is that these four men... They are friends, they're close friends, but they are extremely flawed people with pretty flawed relationships with each other. There is jealousy and misconceptions and 
they don't completely let each other into their lives. And all of them are still unsure of who they're becoming and where they fit into each other's lives. Um, something that they talk about a lot is how they don't, they don't know what happens to friendships from their like young adults or like college age when they get older, when they start getting the age where you get married and settle down. Like, where do those friendships go? Is there a place for them? So it's certainly intense. It's um, it's a little bit existential to read at the college age, not going to lie to you, but it is a very nice avenue for escapism because it is such a rich story about very well-developed characters. It's very easy to get lost in. So last but certainly not least, I'm going to talk about Jude. I don't know everything that happened in Jude's childhood, but he just could not catch a break. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail because, again, I don't want to bring up anything that is too upsetting, especially because you might want to listen to the podcast and hear my opinion about it, but you might not necessarily want to read the book. I totally understand that. Um, so... Yeah, Gio just could not catch a break. He was um, abandoned as a baby. He was abused in various different ways. Um, then he was put up for adoption, um, could not get a home. And part of the reason why it's so heart-wrenching is it is told from his perspective with his um, inner monologue, and he does blame himself. And you can see how the way that he thinks of himself shifts as he grows older in the story, and he still carries so much of the blame towards himself and so much, like, self-hatred. And then the point of view shifts, and you can see the other characters' inner monologues, his friends, who care about him so deeply and love him, and the way that they think of him, which directly contrasts with how Jude thinks of himself. And it is just like painful to read because you want to just go to these characters and be like, listen, there are people who care about you or be like, listen, this person needs to hear how much you care about them. But you can't do that because it's a book and you can't actually talk to them. And it's hard. <laughs> so the way that this book has been going for me is at first so kind of like in 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 summary if if you're wondering whether or not you should read this because I, I have spoiled some of it but not again it's not plot driven so you're not really reading this book to be surprised if that makes sense if you're thinking of reading this here's what I'll say the first hundred pages feel very slow because it is a character study, it's not plot-driven, and you're not invested in the characters yet. I do recommend sticking it out because while there are, there are definitely are times where I felt like the writing was inaccessible, there are also times where I felt the writing was extremely beautiful and profound, so it's 
kind of a balance and it also kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you don't like writing, that can sometimes come across as inaccessible and pretentious. Maybe not because you might lose your patience with this book. But if you're willing to kind of stick it out, you'll probably be pleasantly surprised. I would say after roughly the first hundred pages, it starts feeling a lot more fast-paced because you become invested in these characters and you want to know more about them. You want to know how their lives turn out. You want to know how their friendship evolves. Um, so stick it out if you are looking for that kind of story. I just do want to caution. I don't think this book is for everybody because it is so heavy. I haven't cried yet while reading this. Um, I don't think it's going to stay that way. And just because I haven't cried doesn't mean it wasn't, it wasn't upsetting. Um, there were a couple passages, um, mostly having to do with Jude and how Jude thinks of himself and how he feels, you know, he's burdening his friends and you as the reader know from his friends inner monologues that he is not burdening them where you just read it and it's like okay ouch like that hurt to read I feel so bad for him but it hasn't made me cry yet I'm kind of proud of that not gonna lie because I thought I would have cried a couple more times um but more than that, what I'm scared of, what is scaring me about the first 300-something pages of this book is that I know it's going to get sadder, and I am dangerously invested in these fictional characters. Uh, I was not expecting to be <laughs> this invested in them. I, I can see how things in their lives are kind of starting to unravel even more than they already were as they're getting older and they might kind of be drifting apart. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared. And also, there's kind of a pattern, I feel, where you learn about one character's backstory, you start to care about them because of the things that they've been through, and you feel like you know them personally, um, and then something, something great happens to them or they do something great for themselves and you're like yes this is great this is good I'm so happy for them and then like 10 pages later something awful happens and just like ruins it but because you were up on that high from being so excited for that character it makes that like awful thing that happened so much more of a gut punch um and I'm not even in the worst part yet <laughs> so this episode really is just going to be like a an intro to uh this novel what I've noticed so far um hopefully it will help you decide whether or not this is something that you want to read because maybe you can read it and finish it in time for part two where I'm going to talk about the second half of the book and how much it emotionally destroyed me or not and I'm also going to get into whether or not I felt this was written in a responsible way because one of the complaints that I read about this book before I picked it up is that Hanya Yanagahara, yeah, she talks about difficult issues and she talks about 
I guess things that society would normally avoid talking about. And yes, that's good. And yes, that's important. But she does it in a way that almost exploits other people's trauma. Um, I don't know how I feel about that yet. I haven't read enough of the book yet to give you a solid opinion on whether or not I feel she's written it responsibly. Um, I can say so far, so good. It, to me, feels as though she's taking great care to make this a very human approach to talking about issues like, um, like, race, chronic illness, abuse, things like that. Um, but I don't know, because again, I haven't gotten to what people refer to as the bad part yet. Um, so I am a little, I'm wary. Um, and as I'm reading part two, um, what I think I will do, what I hope I will be able to do, if logistics allow for it, is I'll sort of instead of sitting down and recording my thoughts on the book all in one go, after I read a particularly good or bad or emotional or whatever that second part has in store for me um, piece of the novel, I'll sit down and record just a little bit um, so I can give you an honest review while my emotions are raw. So yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun, everybody. Um, that is all that I have for this first part. Um, I can say so far I recommend this book if you are looking for some escapism, if you're looking for a character study, if you're looking for a story that doesn't pull any punches when it talks about difficult issues. However, I am going to caution you over and over and over again to look at like professional reviews of the book and to see the content warnings um, about the topics discussed because I could see how this could be, you know, really upsetting for people in a very unhealthy way. And I just don't want to recommend a book and have somebody go into it not knowing what they were getting into. So please look into that on your own. I... I don't know if I can give like a full breakdown of what to be concerned about in this book. So I'm going to hold off on that until I've read the whole thing. So my hopes and dreams for the second part, and, and I will get back to you <laughs> in this second episode and tell you if I've uh, had my hopes and dreams met. I want this to be sort of a catharsis for me. I want to be able to sit down and read this book and just cry it out because we've all been stressed lately. I can't even begin to tell you, like, moving away from home, back onto campus, and then immediately going into, like, a full shutdown because of COVID. I understand, like, public health-wise, it's absolutely necessary to do that. Um, it's stressful. <laughs> so I would very much like a book to make me cry so I can just sit down and have a little crying session and get it out of my system. I don't know about anybody else. That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping for part two. Um, so I will see you in two weeks with part two. 
and the conclusion to A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Thank you for listening. Um, if you like me or you like my content, you can find me on Instagram at Selena Rivernider or on YouTube also Selena Rivernider. Um, that's the name of my channel. And that's that. Have a good couple weeks. Stay safe, stay healthy. Wear your mask, please. <laughs>